0: welcome to It's All Poetry with me, Nicole Cloutier, your host, copywriting mentor, and lifelong worshipper of words in their many beautiful and ever-changing forms. On this podcast, we believe that words are magic and that you and I and everyone else all have the innate ability to wield that magic well. Our main topic is words. From marketing and politics to spellcasting and poetry, we'll even get a little nerdy with some etymology and linguistic history every now and then. In short, words are everything. They make up our stories and the worlds we live in, so let's look at them, hold them, turn them over in our hands, you know? Get to know them so that we can use them with intention, which is exactly what we do in every episode. To stay connected, make sure you subscribe and check out all the links in our show notes. Now, let's get on to today's episode. Hi, Jesse. Hey, Nicole. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for coming on It's All Poetry.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yay.
0: Um... Okay. So today we are going to talk um, to you about your work and what you do in the world and the words that that build your work. So to start us off, can you tell us a bit about yourself and what it is that you do?
1: Yeah. So hi, everybody who's listening. I'm Jesse Rosenbloom. I use they, them pronouns. Um, I I have lots of things, but for the purpose of this podcast, um, I'm a certified somatic therapy practitioner and um, also do some consulting work helping support brands and nonprofits with with writing.
0: Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and the reason I wanted to have you on is because, you know, in a a podcast about words, like the word somatics, right, or um, somatic practitioner or somatic therapy, or I feel like is such. A hot word right now, right? It's all over Instagram. Um, That's so many people are talking about it. Uh it feels like the hot new therapy. Like you're cool if you do somatic therapy.
1: Right, right, <laughs> um,
0: right. Yeah. So can you like just just to kind of align us on the way that you view it, can you give us like your definition or the way that you see somatics, the way you work with the with the word?
1: Yeah. So I think it's important when we're talking about somatics. So it's it's this word. I mean, it's a, it's a kind of a fancy way to say the body or like to be in the mm-hmm. body. Soma is the Greek root, um, that translates in English to body. And, you know, this, this is a field that was developed, um, to kind of encompass this, this new, this new, and I'm using air quotes, um, therapy that was developed in the seventies and lots of different people were doing it trying to figure out like, how can we actually bring the body more into psychotherapy um, versus really approaching it from the sort of like psychoanalysis lens that you kind of think of that typical, like someone's laying on a chair and, and, you know, you've got a therapist there with a notepad, uh, very heady, very like brain focused and um, somatics, you know, really brought into into psychotherapy psychiatry the awareness of like hey like there might be some other sort of intelligence here there's there's more wisdom from the body that we're not whether that's coming through in a sensation or a memory or just like a feeling of um like an emotion like a really strong sense of sadness or anxiety and so um but also and also (laughs) there's there's the truth that somatic practices have existed in every culture and every society. Uh, when we think about our all of our indigenous roots, so indigenous folks here in, in the Americas, but also like where we all come from. So um, if you look at different traditions, like for mine, for example, Judaism and Celtic traditions, and you you can find rituals and practices that are using the body humming's a somatic practice singing in a group together somatic practice i can't remember who coined the term but i think it's called um that feeling of it's the term is collective effervescence which i love Mm. um when you're in some sort of group setting and there's kind of this like magical energy that's in the air that that everyone's sort of tapped into you know like we're all sort of on the same plane it happens like um it can happen at a concert. It can happen during like someone, you know, reading a poem. Like there's there's something being evoked and we're all experiencing at the same time together. Um, We all feel like in union and part of something. And I think that, that when I think about when people are using the word more and more, one, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that it's, that it's out there in the lexicon and like people are have more awareness of, hey, we, we have a body. Um, This is our primary experience in this life is being in a body. I was thinking about this earlier and I was like, it's actually our greatest resource. Like Mm. nothing else happens for us on this plane without our vehicle, which is our body. Um, And so being more connected to that in whatever ways that is, whether you are, um, you know, doing a yoga practice, right. Or you're doing a meditation and you're doing a body scan, like all of that, is a somatic practice. Um, I think the thing I want to distinguish and like be careful and, and just like, you know, this is like for me, just something I'm I'm sitting with and thinking about often as someone who's out there in the world um, doing this type of work is somatic therapy, at least the kind that I practice, is is a different practice. It's a really intentional um, partnership of you and a practitioner. Ideally, they're either, you know, someone who's certified in whatever methodology they're trained in, has been through extensive training. If they're not a licensed psychotherapist, even if they are a licensed psychotherapist that they have, you know, um, and, and that's not to gatekeep, but it's it's more so, honestly, for me, it's a, an intention of doing less harm because this work can go really deep. Um, you know, when, when I think about the work that I do and um, with folks and, and inviting them in to be observers of their internal experience and really start to look inside at some things that, that can be uncomfortable. Um, I also think it's funny to think about like, yeah, it is kind of this buzzy, like you're cool if you do somatic therapy. And yet I think people are actually sort of terrified of being in their body and feeling like themselves. Um, and it takes it a step further. Like when you're in a session, at least with for me, we're not only like paying attention to, for example, like, Oh, I feel a lot of tension in my chest and like, I'm starting to feel more anxious as I, you know, notice that it's using that almost as like an entryway as an access point to then be able to kind of go, go deeper, sort of like unravel, um, and, and that doesn't happen all at once. I think, again, you know, language, words, that word can seem scary to people unravel, but it's more of like, almost like a um, spool of thread. So you start to pull the thread and then maybe you stop at a point and stay right there. You might wind it back up for a little bit. And then it's just like a very organic, natural kind of um, following and leading and really being a guide and... Um, and a container. I know that word's used a lot, but like really, being a container for someone's ability to to go to deep places um, and build that trust with you, but also within themselves of like, you know, I I can be present to whatever is is happening, um, and that ultimately leads me to more freedom and more choice.
0: Hmm. Yeah, there's there's so many thoughts I was having as you were talking. First, it sounds like a very like, like neat unravel, right? Like I'm imagining yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like one of those spools of thread and then you also are attached to the sewing machine so you can like zip it back up really exactly, easily. Exactly. It's not like an unravel where like you're left with a, a mess of thread that you have to untangle, like the, the knot of necklaces that's currently in my, my top drawer that I probably will never <laughs> get apart. It's not like that. It's like a neat unravel with a machine. Um, mm-hmm. So I love that image. Um, also, I just want to hop quickly back to what you were talking about with the, the community and the music and the, like that kind of group body experience, Mm -hmm. because that's something that I consider myself, and you know this, we've been friends for, for a bit now. Um, I'm definitely an introvert, (laughs) like definitely don't love like parties where there's a lot of talking, like where I'm expected to like small talk and get to know people, but, um, a party with a bunch of bodies dancing is like so Mm. healing to me um yeah Mm. and so i love thinking of that as like um a part of like somatic practice uh but i do have a question for you because you talked about uh like the body being a different entry point right and i do feel like therapy gosh i don't know when this would have started probably like 100 years ago right therapy got like very very heady like very, like very focused on, on brain as the only entry point, um, which requires you to kind of, and I'm just, I'm just guessing here. I'm curious what you're, what you think about what I'm about to say, but it feels like it requires you to know everything that happened to you, like everything you want to work on, (laughs) like to know all your traumas. And it sounds to me from what you were saying, like somatic therapy can be more of, um, like you, maybe you don't have to like, remember all the details of a trauma in order to kind of work on the way, it's affected your body. Is that, does that sound true?
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. Like it's, um, I think that's one of the things that I enjoy the most about it, both as a, a someone who's been in the client, you know, s- space, you know, I have a somatic therapist myself um, and someone who is is taking on that role as the practitioner is like, you don't have to know. That's mm. the biggest work is like, time and time again, I've seen like, no matter where you start, you end up getting where you need to go. Like truly, truly. And I know that can sound really abstract, but there have been times where I start with that where I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm just, or with a client who's like, yeah, I'm just feeling a lot of like tension in my jaw. Mm. And instead of being like, yeah, I'm feeling the tension in my jaw because when I was five, I had this thing happen to me. And because of that, like I clenched my jaw. And some of those insights might come but it's more about um slowing down enough to to be able to it's like when you're looking at um, like when you're on a walk, for example, in the forest and you're passing all these trees and flowers and you're just walking and hiking or if you have an objective to like really like, you know, just book it to the top, you're not really slowing down and paying attention. Hmm. Um, and this is basic mindfulness practices too that that are woven into the kind of uh somatics that I practice, but it's like you start to drop in and really like if imagine like you're sitting with a flower or a leaf and starting to see the finer details and then that leads you to the next thing you hmm. know then you start to notice more and um it can it can oftentimes be surprising where you end up you might have this story in your mind of like, yeah, the thing, you know, the thing happened to me when I was five and this is why blah, 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 blah. but you actually get somewhere completely different. Mm. And that's the thing that needed to show up that day. Um, So it's very, it's very cool. It's not, it's not linear. It's not logical all the time. You know, it's this way that like, yeah, we can just, we can just be, we can just belong. Like even that what you're talking about being in a room full of people dancing. I mean, to me that, that is belonging it's like we're all yeah. on the wavelength we're all connecting and it's non-verbal
0: yeah yeah and i think that like i've been to a lot of talk therapy and it's lovely but i yeah. do feel like i've always hit a wall every time i've done it you know like there's only like i know which childhood memories have have fucked me up <laughs> like i know them <laughs> i can replay them at, at whim um and I haven't done a lot of somatic therapy. So that's, yeah, it's very intriguing to me that it's like a, um, yeah, it just seems like a a way to, I don't know if go deeper is the word. Is that how you would say it? Go deeper or go differently?
1: I think both. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Deeper, differently. Um, I think, yeah, like what, what tends to happen in talk therapy and, and just to be clear, I think talk therapy is really useful. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I go into my therapy sessions and I'm like, I need to talk for like 15 minutes. I need to just and get these things off my mind and like verbally process i'm a gemini like virgo moon i've got i just i have a lot of mercury energy and like sometimes i just need to talk mm-hmm. um but there is always that moment where it's almost like a toddler like where i feel like i've exhausted it enough to then i'm like okay i really just need to drop into my body mm-hmm. now and I, and I think practically like um you know because this can seem again like even just talking about this can seem heady right but like yeah what happens within a therapy session is then you you have a new the goal is eventually is to to offer to the to whoever I'm working with a new experience using myself standing in for whatever repair is needed and so then that person is able to really um feel in their body, the experience they have, essentially when a need is met, it's usually around like, what, what is the need? What's really underlying thing here. And when that repair happens, when that need is met and you're in, and you're in mindfulness, there's actually rewiring that happens on a nervous system level. And then also, you know, it's not magic. It's not overnight. It's not like you get into a situation um, the next day and you don't revert back to old behavior. Like there it, but what it does help with, I think is build awareness of like, rather than, you know, mantras are great. I think they're wonderful. They work for some people, but you know, you're in a stressful moment. You go to your habitual thing that you do. And, and yet you might have this little like, ding, it's like, Mm. but remember like two weeks ago I had that session and this thing played out differently mm-hmm. and like re- recalling that actually like recalling it on a nervous system level can take you out of that reactivity, give you a moment to pause. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get to choose, you know, like you might do the same thing you normally do, but you also might, might just like be able to, to really feel into that and, and say, no, like actually I want to choose differently. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Or at least after a couple times, yeah. (laughs) Maybe the first time you just notice it, right? (laughs) I mean, that's enough, yeah.
1: Exactly, exactly. So I think, yeah, it's for, I think for people that especially feel like you know they're in talk therapy and they're they're just kind of looping and coming up against the same things over and over again. It's worthwhile to explore, like, what else is, what what other kind of insight is there? Um, Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not my brain. Like, what is my body? know that I might not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then, so earlier you also mentioned like that there are different types, or You're certified. There are different types of somatic therapy. Um, can you tell us more about the, like the one you are certified in and what its qualities are?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's lots of different ones um, <laughs> and they all bring different things to the table, but I was particularly drawn to Hakomi. um, And that is a Hopi word that means who am I or a realm amongst many realms. Um, And there's a longer story there. It's worth saying, it's worth, I think, talking about though, just mentioning that it is, you know, it was, it's an indigenous word and this methodology was created by white people and Mm. came of them in a dream. And the story as I've been told is that, this person who had the dream went and asked a Hopi elder who they were in relationship with, if it was okay to use that word. And, um, and the elder gave his permission. Now, you know, that was 50 years ago. I don't know exactly what happened. It was something that definitely bothered me, but it's interesting to like be here talking about language and words that we use. It was something that when I took the intro course, I was kind of like, I don't really like that. Um, and I was like, this methodology is so beautiful and it had it like resonates with me so much that it felt worth kind of like holding complexity around. Um, so, so yeah, so Hakomi is, um, was started, started by Ron Kurtz. It is based in mindfulness. It draws a lot from, from Eastern practices of meditation and it when I say it's, it's based in mindfulness, I mean that without mindfulness, it doesn't happen. So, yeah. um, there, there might be a, a person who comes to me and they don't have any experience with meditation or, you know, what, what mindfulness even is. And that, that could be a place to start of like, let's just work on like being in your, you know, being mindful, even if it's for five minutes, mm-hmm. um, doing a basic body scan, but really the deeper work is, is having someone who is able to kind of, with my guidance, arrive there in themselves, and and the word I keep using is observer, but I think that's that's it. It's like the ability to like be in your body, but also have that observer part of you on board. Um, that's a, that's able to be, you know, more or less detached. It's kind of like when you're meditating. Like sometimes you get sucked back into your your thoughts and all the things. Kind of the whirlwind that goes around, um uh, kind of pull back out, whether that's by paying attention to your breath or whatever else. But um, but that's a core, core tenet. And um, with that, I'm working as a guide and and doing this really delicate dance of following and leading someone, um, like we talked about in that sort of like unraveling, um, using different techniques, using different words to it, it almost like the imagery also, I, I, I like um, metaphors and imagery that I think about when I'm doing this work is it's almost like tunneling, like mm-hmm. tunneling down and like you hit a wall mm-hmm. and you have to stop and just see like where you are first, like locate yourself in time and space. Why is the wall coming up, studying the wall, getting to know the wall. And, and the wall here is a metaphor for maybe where someone's stuck or blocked, mm-hmm. you know, um, And then using my intuition, things I'm observing. So again, part of my training, um, which was a lengthy two years and then additional year of certification is really being able to finally um, pay attention to someone like, and I can do this, you know, it works virtually in person. It's a little different, but getting these like very minute details um, that might spark like the next step for me. And um, everything is an offering, you know, one of the, I was saying earlier, I love that you don't have to know that's, that's like a tenet of the Hakomi method is like, even if you offer something, you say a word or, and we're going to get into that, I know a little bit later, or you, you try, um, like you, you offer some sort of exploration of like, oh, let's try to do this thing. And the person like kind of has a knee jerk reaction, or it's like, no, that's actually not the word um, you, you're like, okay, that's information. Like, great. Now I'm going to like, maybe dig a little bit to the right, you know? So, um, it's one of the principles is also nonviolence. There's something I really appreciate is like, there's not this pushing. You don't have to go deeper than you want to. than's tolerable. Like always working with that sort of fine line between like healing and like re-traumatizing someone. Um, yeah. Hakomi is not, for people that are experiencing a lot of trauma, it's there are better methodologies for that, in my opinion, like SMAC experiencing or EMDR, working with a licensed therapist that has specific trauma training. Those are things that I, I don't work in. Um just that's not my scope. It's not it's mm-hmm. not my lane. Um you really have to be able to to be able to tolerate being in your body. And and for people who have experienced a lot of trauma, that can be really, really hard. There's a lot of safety and trust that has to be built. And that's, that's something that, you know, um, it's not, again, like, it's not this safe and trust, like, safety and trust that we think about of like, oh, yeah, like, um, you, I I don't know, like, you say, I can trust you, so I can trust you, or like, we're in this professional relationship. So inherently, I'm supposed to kind of trust you. Uh, To me, that's like a false trust. This is like actually building that trust on a again, like a nervous system, like my body feels safe in your presence. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that's when the things that are sort of less known or in your subconscious will start to emerge as when there is that trust established with a practitioner or with yourself. And usually it's both.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking too, about how, how quickly our bodies react to something before we have time to think about it. Mm. Um Mm-hmm. Like there are lots of reactions that I have where I'm like, oh, I, if I had taken a second to think about that, I wouldn't have reacted that way. <laughs> and that seems like a good place to explore. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. Or even just like, you know, something I think that is common, especially in, in women or people who are socialized as women, mm-hmm. is that like, kind of me jerk when someone asks you for something to say yes.
0: Mm, yeah, I do that. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So many of us do that. And this has happened this happened for me recently where I said yes to something and I sat down to review it a bit more as a piece of work. And I was like, you know, actually, like, I think it's going to require more time. This is like what I want to be paid because um, mm-hmm. I could feel like there was like a little twinge and like kind of in the center, like right, right where your like ribs meet at the top it's very specific it's like i could feel like this little like it's mm, mm-hmm. not quite right yeah and so much comes up around like shame of like well i'm being too much because i'm asking for like this contract to be rewritten or like mm-hmm. um, i should have told them weeks ago and and not waited till like now to say something but again i think that's all like um I was asked the other day, why do you think it is that the the like intellect has been or like brain has been kind of um, more highly valued than our body's wisdom? And I think it's because it makes us a little easier to control, honestly, like as mm. a society, like it makes us a bit more disempowered because if we're, we're operating by our intellect, which is saying these are the norms, these are the standards, this is how I'm supposed to you know react in this sort of situation instead of saying like actually like we're all going to have our own nuanced experiences we're all going to need to have more like kind of tailored which isn't which isn't efficient mm-hmm. which is something that can be manufactured mm-hmm. um so yeah i think it, it makes us less convenient you know when when we're operating in that way of saying like actually like it's slower right like you were saying yeah. do not have it's not that like you know, snap like immediate like oh yeah, you know it's 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 really taking the time to check in and say like, and it could just be a pause. Mm-hmm. Is this actually okay with me? Yeah. And if 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 there's not some part that's okay, because I I do like I know I'm kind of going off on a little tangent here, but I think it's important to to note too that just in the same way that our brains don't know everything, our bodies don't know everything. So it's mm. it's like learning to interpret this the signals for example i'll have a moment i've had moments where something doesn't feel exactly right but when i check in i'm like okay i i know why it doesn't feel exactly right mm-hmm. uh is that something i can like tolerate is that something i can live with is that something that like is okay enough to move forward with this thing mm-hmm. and maybe it gets resolved or whatever um because nothing's going to be perfect, so so in that way, I'm able to kind of like, you know, talk to myself and my and my body and say like, yeah, this isn't perfect, this doesn't feel 100% right, but like, you know, I'm gonna look out for you in this way.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah this is because I often feel like, um, in my in my like relationships, my personal relationship, in my client relationships, in my personal relationships, like if I can't explain. Why I don't want something if I can't like rationalize it, like come to the person with a sentence of like, this is why then sometimes I have trouble saying no, you know, like, and as you're talking, I'm I'm realizing like, oh, sometimes I know, like, sometimes I know I want to say no, but like, I don't have like the reason. Um, and because I don't have the reason I'd say yes, (laughs) because I'd feel like I I owe them an explanation to say no. Um, but, but there is my body there with its knowledge saying like, yeah. Um, but then uh, there's also the, like, I think the fear in it, right. Is the fear of rejection. Like that seems like the fear of it is if, if I can't explain to this person with my brain why I need to say no, um, then they're going to be out there in the world hating me. I can't live with that
1: (laughs) yeah like you know thinking less of me like Mm -hmm. I might I mean there and there are real consequences I might lose this relationship I might lose this job and I think um just for folks that are more sort of like interested in like digging in a little bit there I really love um god I can't I can't uh, yeah um Brene Brown's book Braving the Wilderness when she talked you have to belong to yourself. And, and again, I think there's like nuance and complexity there because um, we really, we as humans need to belong, but to community, to people, to each other and and to ourselves. Um, mm. It's really true that when we're showing up in that way, the belonging with each other becomes more authentic.
0: Mm. Yeah, love Brene. Big Be- Brene fans around here. <laughs> yeah. Um Okay, so yeah, so you... I'm interested to hear more about the the words and the way people react to them, right? I know you mentioned that different people react to different words in different way, and it sounded like you were also saying that uh, one person might react positively to a certain word in somatic therapy, whereas someone else it might trigger them in some way. So, do any do any specific words come to mind, or do you want to talk more about that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I, I want to say like. <laughs> um, We do this thing in Hakomi, which I think is like a little subversive, but you, we're not like, we're very gentle, but we're not trying to actually like, generally we're not trying to just like make you feel good about yourself to make you feel Mm -hmm. good. We're using words intentionally because we've picked up on something on a theme, on something that we can kind of see like on a more, because we're not in your body and your experience we're, we're, a bit more removed, but we're with you in it. We can see that we're like, oh, I I bet if I say my hunches, if I say this word in this way, there's going to be a reaction. Ah. And that reaction is likely like, it could look like a pushback. It could look like the person becoming more emotional. And it's, it's in the service of healing. It's in the service of like, bringing things to the surface. So it's not malicious, but it's not like this cozy. Cause like, for example, we, we use this technique called a prompt. So you, you know, we're talking about this, like, um like I know, like, you know, like searching for community, like belonging in a, on a dance floor, like saying no, but being afraid of like rejection and losing relationships. So if that's sort of like what I'm picking up on, I might say to you, okay, Nicole, um, I'd like to say a few words to you and, and just see like how they land and um we'd set it up we take the time you know to get it all done and as you're as you you know i invite the client into mindfulness and you're really paying attention to how your body's going to react to what i say and i might say something like your belonging is not conditional and so when i say that i'm curious like just hearing that you weren't closing your eyes into mindfulness but did like what did anything happen?
0: Uh, yeah. I think for me, my response is like, "That's yeah. not true."
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if someone says, "That's not true." That's great. I mean, <laughs> it's great if nothing happens too. But because then it's like, oh, okay. Like you actually, we say like you're able to take that in. Like you're able to actually like believe that. There's some part of you that's able to believe it when when the reaction is that can't be true, then we know that there's some wound there. There's some repair. There's some belief that needs attention. Um, But yeah, I could say that, you know, whoever's listening to this, someone could hear that and be like, "Duh. duh. It isn't conditional, you know, and have that reaction. And so when we have that, it's like, okay, cool. And then we go on to the next thing again, like don't need to be right. Don't need to know just picking up on, your voice tone, your body position, everything, and then using words really intentionally to see if there is a reaction or not. So the other day I was using, I was in, in a client session and I used the word aversion and I was like, shit. Because the client I was working with has a really strong um, meditation practice, like leads meditation services and the word aversion for her is like something that she is trying to eliminate in her spiritual practice, right? Like it's not, it's it has like a negative connotation, right? Like you're trying to get to the place of like not having aversion to things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I, I mentioned that to her and we, and we talked about because that like if I had said to her instead of aversion, like, oh, it seems like uh, like you have a strong dislike of that, or just a different word, or like, yeah, there's something about that that like kind of like just like turns you off, or like, there's there's other ways I could have said it that might not have provoked a strong reaction, right? And mm-hmm. in, in, in that way, it's very person dependent. It's very client dependent. Of like, um, you know, and being really mindful. That's something I really try to bring my practice is like who is this person that I'm working with what is their you know background their race their class their gender things like that that they've disclosed to me and have been open with or just like that I can observe and how can I be more mindful and careful about the language I'm using so that I'm not um unintentionally like doing more harm um or provoking a strong reaction when like that's it kind of distracts from what we're talking about
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah
1: Yeah. And tone, all of that's super important. Those are things we play with as well as like, um, so there's this technique that oftentimes, you know, I'll offer something to a client or we'll be in, you know, working in the session. It's often when we've like kind of hit a wall and we're, we're hanging out there and checking it out and seeing what's coming up. And um, someone might have like a voice in their head. And Mm. oftentimes it's, it's, you know, it might start out as their own, but when, we sit with it and start to pay more attention to it, it shows up as like, yeah, like a relative or Mm -hmm. a moment in their life where like they had someone else saying these words that have like stuck and become their internalized like monologue in their, in their head. And one of the things that I can do is I, I can take on that voice. So I'll work with the client to kind of get the tone just right. Um, You know, like, what direction is it coming from? Does it feel like it's coming right? Does it feel like it coming? Does it come like it's coming from behind? Am I standing over you? And especially when I'm in person, I can actually physicalize that and bring that person in. And you know, there's there's rolling and derolling of like, okay, now I'm gonna do this thing. It's not me. I'm taking on this thing. Um, but it's that can be very powerful. And it can also kind of change. Like I was remember I was working with a client and I I wanna say that she was hearing it in like this sort of harsh way mm-hmm. from like a male figure in her life. And then when I took it on, the voice actually shifted and became like a more um like loving and, and tone. And it and I was doing the, the original tone of like the harshness, but it it shifted and and it recalled like her grandmother. And then she could feel her grandmother there with her. And like it was this like, sweet loving embrace and kind of this difficult
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, imagery that was happening and it it actually like transformed the whole feel of this like image that she was experiencing. And, you know, I'm not, no, no one's, there's no like assisted therapy happening here. We're just like in mindfulness and like people will have images that come up and then we just stay and kind of deepen into that. Um, Yeah. So, so the tone, the words, all of it is like, we're using language in a very intentional way in Hakomi. Mm. Not just talking to talk. We're not just saying nice things to be nice and make you feel good. I mean, ultimately, the goal is to to help you feel truly nourished and like you know healed and feel good. But um, it's it's using like our other senses and what we're picking up on um, to really inform language, which is I feel like at least now kind of like the normal mode of communication you know we're not we're not really using our other senses as much as often um in a kind of like typical scenario I guess because obviously there are other folks out there with we have all different kinds of brains and people that that you know communicate very differently uh, but just thinking like an average day we're like most of us are talking and not really thinking about the words we're choosing
0: yeah or listening a lot and i feel like i mean my guess is that a lot of fights (laughs) happen because someone has said something in the exact phrase or the exact tone or similar tone to like your your dad when he was being a jerk when you were five you know um as an example but i feel yeah um we're taking in a lot of language for sure and I don't think we always realize the impact that it can have on the people we're talking to yeah
1: yeah
0: yeah and we're not super in control of it either Mm
1: -hmm. yeah there's so much yeah like I think uh with conflict like it's so easy to just get like sucked into kind of that flight Mm. fight mode and um yeah, we're not, we're not hearing the other people. We're not, we're not paying attention to our body. Like there's something, it's really, really hard. I mean, like you said, we've been friends, so you know, you know, some of my stuff that happens offline and it's, it's even for me, very challenging to be, I think anger is one of the hardest emotions for me to feel Mm -hmm. and like my body and like it's so charged and I've, I've found, you know, ways to, to work with it. Like, physical exercise is usually the way I kind of manage it. But that kind of like, just, I feel like so what that like desire to like clap back, like immediately. um, And like defend is like so strong in, in my body. And it really takes me like a lot of, a lot of work to try to contain and like release in ways that, that aren't, um, that aren't Mhm.
0: Yeah. Cause we're holding it in our bodies. It makes me think too of that book. Um, I don't know if you have an opinion on the book, but the body keeps the score. It's probably mentioned a lot in the
1: yeah, it,
0: spaces. Yeah.
1: It is And I think again, like, I think it's great mm-hmm. that people are aware that like, you know, trauma gets stored in the body, but I think there are other books that, that uh, can, they're more accessible. Like mm-hmm. I think the book is is very like academic in a lot of ways, and um, I would just encourage like if people are curious about somatics and somatic work, like they're um, like that might not be the first text mm-hmm. you start with. Like there's um, there's a book by Deb Dana who does a lot of um, work on like the polyvagal theory and um, like our it's basically our nervous system states going between three, three different ones. And um, it's got some like guided explorations in there and it's called attuned. Um, yeah. 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 yeah, I found that like something that's just a little more like lay lay person. I don't know, like whatever that means. God, I, (laughs) um, just, yeah, like more just like normal speech of like, this is This is what we're talking about here this is what happens like on you know in your body (laughs) yeah
0: yeah i get (laughs) you uh all right let's pivot just because of time so i think the i want to make sure we get a chance to talk about um tone of voice and all of this in branding and marketing which feels like a big pivot but (laughs) for those of you who don't know who are listening this is uh, my line of work is marketing and copywriting and jesse and i have actually been doing some work together and using um somatics right to talk about branding uh, Mm. especially with solopreneurs right this might sound like a strange combination but for solopreneurs a lot of times the business is the person Mm. um so i think that doing this work um can help you like build your brand and find your voice and figure out like to build your business the way you want to so i'm curious jesse to hear you talk about like how you've been using your somatic training and to um to do this kind of work with me the branding
1: yeah yeah it's been so cool to do I'm so grateful to have been you are
0: awesome at it you do (laughs) it's so good what comes out of it yeah
1: yeah and you've taught me a lot a lot about copywriting and like how to yeah just like how to do it um (laughs) So I've been grateful for that too. And I think like for me, like a lot of what, like you're saying, like a solopreneur, like you are your business. I think we both get that like on a very personal level. Mm -hmm. Um, I always tell people like starting my own business has been like the biggest like spiritual growth cycle. I feel like, like it brings up all of my shit, all of it, like a
0: hundred percent. Yeah.
1: (laughs) No, just like value in the world and, um, are people going to get me and like all, all, the things, um, you know, too much, not good enough. And so I'm particularly like passionate about helping people find their, their messaging as, as you are, you know, like really seeing people bring to the world what they have to offer. And, um, it's been cool to like, get like, someone's story essentially of like this is you know this is my name this is this is what I'm doing these are the things that inspire me these are the things I'm like thinking about this is like my passion and what I want to like bring into the world And, and it's not always necessarily the same thing right like we've worked on projects where they're like the messaging, and I think this is so true, just in marketing in general. You know this, but the messaging is not necessarily about the actual thing. Like there's, there's like always something deeper, mm-hmm. and I think that word deep for me, profound, um, is something that I'm really drawn to. You know, just in general, and like being able to read someone's story, and and almost like in a therapy session where I'm. I'm watching someone really closely. I'm listening really closely. I'm really fully present and trying to like tease out, like, what is the essence? What are these fine details? And then really, like you say, words are magic, like make them into these magical words, these beautiful words, these words that like evoke feelings, these works, these words that make you think um, like beauty. I feel like my, I have a lot of like Venusian qualities, like Venus, like, and I like, I want, like you say words are magic for me. It's like, words are beautiful. Like, right. You know, like I want there to be more beauty in the world. And um, I mean, it's all poetry, right? <laughs> it
0: is. That's what eventually I will prove. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so um, that that's been super cool. And um, I'm excited to like just more, you know, like really, um, support people through the process of, like yes, we can give you beautiful coffee, but you can also heal during the process as well. Like how, how wonderful is that? Like, um, and feel really empowered and supported and aligned and, and what you're bringing to the world. Cause I think most people, and I'm curious what you think about this, but I think you'll agree. Most um, people who are solopreneurs, who are who are bringing either a service or a product or you know, whatever to the world, are not doing it necessarily to like get rich quick. They're doing it because they really care about something.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think get rich quick is is a promise anyone feels like they they have from from being an entrepreneur. It's usually a slow, mm-hmm. slow and. Uh, what's a word that means painful, (laughs) like a slow and like tumultuous climb. Right. Um, it's a lot of work, but yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I also think that, you know, one of the most common things I hear when, um, when people are writing their own copy or working on their own branding is, you know, they, they don't want to sound sleazy or Mm -hmm. salesy. And I think that one of the best ways that I have bound to sound your most authentic which authentic again feels like another buzzword um but to sound in a way that feels good to you is to is to use like a, a base of that's like based in in somatics and based in like that deep um that deep thing that you're talking about like what they actually want to bring forth into the world and so if you kind of build that foundation of your messaging everything that you put out is going to feel a bit more like you wrote it and like you're proud to put it out and like, uh, you're actually being of service. So, um, yeah, I think it's fantastic. Um, and something hopefully we'll see a lot more of out there on the interwebs.
1: Yeah. I think the, the tone piece is so important, right? Like that's something Mm -hmm. like helped you with convey that, like in writing, um, when writing for brands and, you know, we've talked about how we use it um, in Hakomi and, and that sort of somatic therapy. But really, like, being able to – it's, like, there's such, like, a um, – I'm looking for the words. Like, <laughs> able to finesse, to be able to, like, really get it right for someone. Mm. And they truly feel seen and heard, which – my own experience and experience sitting with lots of people is most of the time what we want we want to belong we want to be connected um we -hmm. want to we want to feel you know important Mm -hmm. and giving that to someone like by 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 someone giving us you know several sheets of like this is this is who I am so I'm about and being able to give it back to them and and have them feel really truly reflected yeah I think that's something that your style of copywriting um has shown me like how to do how to bring my like somatic or just like just like paying attention lens into but like really truly that like reflection um is is a, is a lot of times what we're seeking, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Thank you for that. That was nice. Um, yeah, it reminds me of the uh, star, too. Mm. The star tarot card makes me think a lot of reflection. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like mirroring, mirroring mm-hmm. back. Um, so that's a card that's been coming up for me a lot lately, so it just popped into my, yeah. into my head. Yeah, but it feels like the reflector card, right? I mean, I feel like you know more about tarot than I do, actually. Is that an accurate
1: yeah I mean yeah I, I'm thinking about the imagery of the person like kind of leaning down like in the traditional writer mm. Smith deck where they're leaning down and they're like pouring into the body of water and the water yeah. back to them right like there's this exchange happening um and it's also just like such a hopeful card whenever I pull it I just feel like such a like boost of like oh it's all it's all gonna be okay like there's post
0: tower we're post tower
1: (laughs) but I was thinking about actually like as I was saying that I was thinking about astrology something we're both like Mm. in as well and something I bring into my um, somatic practice when I work with people if they're interested Um, but people like having your cards read having your astrology read all of that to me is not predictive. It's just a mirror. It's just like hey, um like with an with any type of reading like that, you're sitting with someone and you're really offering like yourself as a like a vessel, you know. Mm-hmm. For whatever wants to come through, whatever, you know, like the mirror that needs to happen and um I think that, like, we all just want like time and attention.
0: Time and attention, yeah. Well, I'm going to end us on this note, but I've been thinking a lot lately about um, slowing down time. <laughs> there was a Radiolab podcast on it that was released in October. And I think like what they were saying is one of the best ways to do it is mindfulness, to slow down time. Because what happens is the more routines we get into, which we like routines, right? Humans, we love routines. We build them on purpose. Um, morning routines are... <laughs> I love my morning routine, yeah. right? Um, my oat milk latte, (laughs) pull a card, um, but routines make our brains feel safe, which means we're not like taking pictures of the world around us so much anymore, which makes our perceived sense of time feel faster. Mm -hmm. And that's why time seems to go faster as we age. According to this Radiolab episode, I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, but mindfulness, like making, like kind of making your brain take those pictures helps your perceived sense of time. Like in retrospect, right? When you look back in hindsight, it makes it seem like it, it went slower. It's like how you go on vacation and like when you do three different things in a day, you climb a volcano, you have like <laughs> a meal you've never had before and then you do karaoke at night. Like that day is gonna feel way longer um, than a normal day at your desk.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. Such, a, such a, yeah. Yeah, so, so challenging sometimes and you get such a gift when we're able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And
0: I don't want like novelty all the time. I want my routines. So I don't need time to go super slow, but <laughs> it's nice Therefore, to know you have the power to slow it down if you want to.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: Cool. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for being on here. This was golden. Like I, I feel like you gave us so many awesome nuggets and and helped us understand (laughs) somatics which is something that is being talked about a lot but i think not explained a lot so i really appreciate you taking the time to do that um with us and i'm sure we could talk about it a lot longer but
1: we're gonna wrap it up
0: thank you so much
1: yeah thank you um
0: if people want to get in touch with you after this where can they find you
1: Yeah. So I am on Instagram, not on there a ton, but you can reach out to me on there and I'll get it. Um, it's at liminal Soma. So like liminal space, but liminal Soma, like the body and, um, also liminal Soma.com. I've got, um, you can sign up there for my newsletter and yeah, just reach out. we Would love to hear from you
0: all. Awesome. Cool. And we will put both of those links uh, in the show notes as well.
1: Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully very soon we'll have our joint offering out there in the yeah. world.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We are building something that is a uh, joint somatics and copywriting, somatics and branding. So keep an eye out for that. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Jesse. I'll talk to you soon. much for listening to it's all poetry you have no idea what it means to me (laughs) to have you here this podcast is recorded and produced and edited by yours truly i've had to learn a lot of tech (laughs) y'all you can find all the resources and links from this episode in the show notes at nicolecopy.com slash it's all poetry the music you hear throughout is by jack pierce And if you enjoyed this episode, there is a bunch of other stuff that you might want to check out from my weekly newsletter with marketing prompts to one-on-one copy coaching for your business to branding guidance uh, and more things that I'm not even aware of at the time of this recording because I add stuff all the time, but it's all right there at NicoleCopy.com. Thanks again for loving words with me. I'll see you next time.